so good. How are you? I'm good. Um, just got done like cleaning my apartment, you know, Ooh, it's really usually yeah, the highlight of my weekend. Although last night I went to a drive-in haunted house and it was like kind of ridiculous, but it like was a, fun. Okay. So I'm I thought picturing it was, like a car wash. Is it a haunted okay. car wash? No, that I wish went? that would have been fun. No, basically it was like a drive-in movie. So you stayed in your car oh. and the movie was like, it was like this dead, like funny zombie guy. And he would like sing like these songs. And then there would be like a cut scene of like from a horror movie. And it was definitely very like B horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was funny. And then they had like performers like walking around and would like fuck fuck with you and stuff. Um, was it actually scary or just kind of like fun, campy, hokey? Sort so of the, the like actual video, like the actual movie part was like pretty campy. Mm-hmm. But like they had people on stilts and like when if you aren't paying attention and they like walk up to your car and they say to leave your windows down. So we had our masks on. Yeah, yeah. And, like, this, like, guy on his stilts, like, stuck his big, like, skeleton arm inside the car. <laughs> I, like, screamed so loud. It was, it was scary. So, like, it probably, it wasn't really worth the money, but it was fun. Like, I had, I had fun. That's how I feel about, like, most things <laughs> in the, in most the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they, you know what? They did their best, and I was glad that, like, I could go do something and, yeah that's because like I don't even I don't even feel like it's you know it's been like Halloweeny times like okay so we um had a bunch of pumpkins out front because I used them for a the October author show that's the evening with the authors at the White Rabbit first week of every month everyone go check it out uh because it is a great show yeah, it's a really cool show. But really um, talented local indie comedians. Yes. Uh, I'm not always on it, but sometimes I'm lucky enough to do it. And uh, for October, this so it was a few weeks ago, but um, my character was an employee at a pumpkin patch and she <laughs> had written a book um, about why we like should have pumpkins year round, like why they should be a year round thing. Um, so I had to get all these like pumpkins for props. And anyway, so afterwards I was like, well, now I have all these pumpkins that are like carved and painted and stuff. I'll put them out front. Uh, we have no pumpkins left. The squirrels and the, the squirrels chipmunks eat them? ate everything. Like every time, <laughs> every time I looked out like to get the mail or something, there would be another one was like missing. Cause we had a, l- a bunch of like little tiny gourds and stuff. One would be missing until finally <laughs> one time I look out there and the only one left is this pumpkin that I had painted eyes on. Um, oh, and they were like, this tastes yes. gross. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but it had eyes on it because it was uh, for the month of December, instead of doing Elf on the Shelf, this was from the book that my character had written, instead of Elf on the Shelf, you do Pumpkin on the Something. Um, (laughs) So you just painted eyes on it. It was like, you can put it wherever you want. Anyway, so I look out and it's just a pumpkin with the eyes, but it's turned around. So the eyes are staring 
at me in the front door instead of staring out like they should be. And it was very scary. But now that's gone too. They've eaten that as well. So do you think that they're just like, like the squirrels and the chipmunks are like, these humans are idiots. Like they're just leaving all this delicious food outside. Yeah. That, well, I don't had know. really like, never occurred to me that this would happen <laughs> growing up this, I either I didn't know about it, blocked it from my memory, but we always had like pumpkins out front for Halloween. And I don't feel like, I don't know. They're just Dad, if you're listening, let me know what you did. But I will say that the squirrels and chipmunks in Broad Ripple are like incredibly bold. Like my friends Nikki everywhere. and Kelsey, they had like a squirrel that just like lived outside of their apartment <laughs> in we Broad have, Ripple. We have a very specific one because it only has half a tail and has like a little nub, and we see it all the time. Oh, speaking of things that should be like acceptable year round. Mm-hmm. Stuffing. Like, why oh, is stuffing yeah. only available at Thanksgiving? I, I, if I ever run for office, that will be like my. I saw a bunch know, main of like, issue. stuffing, um, <laughs> like frozen, like different kinds of stuffing. Today, I went to Aldi and I went to Trader Joe's, and I don't remember which one it was at, but maybe both. Did you buy I it? Think, no, because why? Katie. I'm doing whole 30. Okay. Oh, how's that going, by the way? It's okay. Do you feel are you slowly turning into a vegetable, like an eggplant? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, because I can also eat nuts. So and meat. So you're turning into a peanut. Yeah. Well actually like peanuts, the planters not peanut. peanuts. peanuts. No oh, peanuts. that's right. No legumes. Yeah, no legumes. Um, no, it's going well. So it's been like a little over a week at this point. And honestly, like, because you could have potatoes and stuff, like, you know, when I make dinner, I don't really feel like I'm on, like, a, a diet. I said that in quotations. Um, I made, like, <laughs> For everybody like, not on our Zoom yeah. call. <laughs> well, I made, like, fish, and we had, like, Brussels sprouts and, like, potatoes, and it was, like, really yummy. Yeah, like, normal. Um, yeah, so that's going fine. And I just make like fun salads for lunch and it's no big deal. So actually no I really way. kind of like it for during the work week. Like it's very easy. Um, but then I did have like a, a cheat day this weekend, which I know the cardinal rule of Whole30 is like no slip ups, but like also I don't really care. Because yeah, like do whatever just, you like, want. Yeah, Um I think the fact that I'm just eating healthier the majority of the time is like, that's really the goal. So it's all good. Um, but I did have a, a cheat day this weekend because I went to a wedding celebration, not like the actual wedding, but a little get together to celebrate the wedding or marriage of our friends, Joe and Dustin. Um, Congratulations, Joe and Dustin. Yay, Joe and Dustin. We love them. That's so exciting. I know. Yeah. Um, I'm very happy for them. They're very cute. And yeah. Joe always texts me his feedback of our um, podcast episodes. Yeah. So <laughs> Which I really like because he's – Let us know you know, what you Joe's think. Joe's like a film critic. Um, I mean, he like really is. So I feel like honored, you know, even mm -hmm. though. We're not a film. It's still Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, oh, I'm married, so cheat day. Well, this isn't a film. It's not a film. But on Friday, I watched seven, the whole mini series of this show on Netflix. Oh, The Trial? Called, no, called oh. The Queen's Gambit. Oh, you said it's seven. The, I thought you were talking about the, sh 
the trial of the Chicago seven. Oh no. Which I no. haven't watched yet, but everyone keeps telling me to watch it. So it's, okay. it's on my list. It. I'm finishing Schitt's Creek right now. So and then I, I know. And then I will watch it. But what's the show that you're saying? The queen's gambit. It's so good. It's about this orphan in Kentucky and like, I think it starts in like the late 40s or early 50s, maybe. So it's not about a queen. I figured no. it, I just assumed it was like a royal. No, it's about this. Um, she's like an American orphan and she has like all this crazy shit that happens to her before she goes to the orphanage. Oh. And she's like a chess prodigy. Like she starts to learn chess from the janitor at the school. And then it's like spans her life. And she's like, you know, like how people that are so good at one thing are like crazy and like super intense. And yes. she has like some other issues. I don't want to give too much away, but like, okay. Yeah. It's no so well done. No it's so well done. The acting is so good. The lead actress, mm-hmm. I think she was in like Emma that came out like a few oh, months yeah. ago. The blonde girl. Yeah. But she has red hair in this new mutants. Yeah. She wears like, the most horrendous wig for like half of the series. It's like cringe. It's like, you know, like high bangs. Yeah. And then like, it's really bad. Okay. Well, don't Um, let that deter you. Apparently. No, it's so good. And like, I am like interested in chess now. I'm like, wow, who knew chess? You know, learn, (laughs) learn chess. Do you know how to No, I do. I mean, like, I know, like, the way that the pieces are supposed to move. I don't know, like, 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 after watching the show, like, the, you know, the squares have, like, names. Yeah. And there's, like, different, like, moves, like, strategies. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know any. Bobby Fischer shit. Yeah, I don't know any of that, (laughs) like, special stuff. I learned how to play chess um, at, like, a summer... (laughs) I did this like summer camp thing when I was a kid at a local community college and it's called uh, college for kids. And so for like a couple weeks out of the summer, you go to classes at the college for like different things, but you're a child. Um, <laughs> and like I did this, and my sister did this. I think my brother did it too. Like we all, we're doing this. And I took, I think we took like a chess class one time. I took a photography class. I took an improv class. I took um, a, like a newspaper class. I did like, like a journalism. A, yeah. Like a journalism class. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, just a little like 10 year old me walking around a college campus, like <laughs> I'm late for journalism. Uh, but <laughs> I can just like picture you with like your remember how like old timey kids used to like have like a belt around their books like they would, yeah, that's what that I'm like picturing and you were like wearing a beret I don't know why but that's what I'm envisioning did you have a beret oh, as a child no I did not I wasn't a hat child I'm still not really a hat person me neither that's definitely something that we can agree on I like yeah. like slouchy hats I mm-hmm. look crazy in a baseball hat I, I often, like, I have two baseball hats, and I'll, like, put them on and send Snapchats to people. I'm, like, mm-hmm. my baseball hat person. I still, I'm still on the fence. I will only, <laughs> I only wear baseball hats when I'm, like, 
near a body of water. Does that make sense? What about to a baseball game? Uh, no, usually, <laughs> usually not. Like it's like, like to keep the to keep the sun off of your face. Is that yeah, what you mean? Like, and yeah, it's like you know if you're going out on like a boat, like a, doing a lake day of sorts, and then you've got that lake hair, and I I'll just throw a hat on. Also, I, I think everyone I, really appreciated the visual, Katie. <laughs> I don't even always do that. I don't know if I, what I'm saying about myself is ever true. <laughs> I understand. Oh, it's so hard being a sociopath, isn't it? I know. Really <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay, so you said that you had watched something recently, right, with Joe? Oh, yeah. Okay, well... Because we haven't really watched any, like, Halloween movies lately. Like, everyone's watching Hocus Pocus and stuff right now, which I love, Abby. Um, but we were watching another throwback movie from our childhood. I feel like, I don't know, Joe and I really loved this movie as kids, and I have never really talked to anyone else about it. So I don't know if it's, like, a popular movie from childhood, but uh, Page Master? So yeah, Macaulay, it's a Macaulay Culkin and Christopher Lloyd is the crazy librarian It's guy. like partly animated, right? Yeah, it's like he gets trapped in the library. Yeah. And uh, then befriends some books. He's like, I don't read. But then he befriends some books and they go on an adventure to escape the library during a thunderstorm. And that part is animated. And then he like befriends the books and because he doesn't have any friends and he's afraid of everything in the beginning. And then at the end, he's like friends with these books and it's all good. And it, uh, his dad is Ed Bagley Jr., but like a young Ed Bagley Jr. So it's really interesting. And who is that? You would recognize him. He's like in everything. If you, if you look it. him up. Yeah. Look. Um, <laughs> so like I watch, I actually watched, I consider this a Halloween movie. Oh, I know who you're talking about. He is in like everything. Yeah. He's yeah. like blonde mm-hmm. and old. Yeah. And anyway, um, I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show last night. Oh, fun. Which it is a Halloween movie. I mean, it's not specific, but it's like kind of creepy. It's that, yeah. It's that genre of like spooky fun yeah. times. <laughs> And, like, I was watching it, and I probably, the first time I saw that movie, I was probably, like, 12. Oh, really? <laughs> and now watching it, I'm like, wow, what a bold choice my parents made by letting me watch that. Yeah, no, <laughs> I did it's not. it's so adult. There's, like, full nudity. In, well, yeah. there's no, like, bush or dick, but there's, like, boobs at the end, not yeah. full nudity. Um, I did not watch that as a child, so yeah. yeah well, you know, <laughs> I think it explains a lot about me. Mm-hmm. I had two older brothers, so I feel like oh yeah, I you know like we I, so my my brother was sixteen, so he was oh. probably watching it, and I was just like with him. I feel like that happens when you're the youngest child, like you <laughs> inappropriately see things. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, speaking of Halloween. Okay. Um, I would like to um, ask you, like, what your top three Halloween costumes as a kid Mm. were. And, like, maybe one as an adult that you're, like, really proud of. Um, 
let's see. Okay. The pro and, okay. So one and issue. And if you have pictures, we'll share them on social because oh. I definitely have some pictures. I'll have to text my mom because um, I don't have very many pictures of childhood stuff. Um, yeah, part of the problem is that I don't have a very good memory, but I do remember one year I got like a genie costume, like a kind of like an I dream of genie style costume. And I was like obsessed with that. I hope that that's actually, I am pretty sure I got that. And that's the year that I also was, I did like an overnight thing at my gymnastics place and there was a costume contest. And I think I won an award for wearing that costume. I will fact check this with uh, Linda. Linda. My uh, mom's name is also Linda. I yeah, that's a fun that, fact. Just for everybody that. to know. Yeah. Um, and then one year in college, I did toddlers and tiaras. So I had like a tiara. I had a big um, like pacifier. And then I made a tutu. And that was a super fun one. And like, one of my, I think more like create, I had a big like sash that I made that was like ultimate grand supreme, whatever. <laughs> that was fun. And then last year I was Sabrina, the teenage witch from the adventures of new Sabrina or the, what is it? Yeah. Is that right? I, yeah. I don't whatever know what it's Netflix called. Netflix Sabrina is with Karen. With the girl from Mad, Mad Men. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, I really think that I pulled it off and we can definitely post that picture because I did a little side by side on my own Instagram and I had like a specific outfit of hers that I was like copying. And I think I did a really good job. I was very proud of that one. So I'm going to say those are my three faves, three faves. What are your three faves? Oh, wow. I would say my more creative costumes were more when I was like in my 20s. And mm -hmm. to now, yeah, I will say that as a kid, like there were at least three or four years where I insisted on being a witch so that my mom I would draw a... my eyebrows on like this. Oh, she's <laughs> doing like the classic inward, like evil eyebrows. Yeah. For everyone um, listening. <laughs> and then a really unfortunate costume. I dressed as a pumpkin, oh. but like I just like got a giant orange shirt and like stuffed it with like pillows. It was really <laughs> bad. Um, but I would say my favorites. It was a box of wine. Okay. Were you at Indie Prov? I went, it was like, I went to like no. Joe Fitzpatrick's friends had a party that I went to and like Meg came with me and I didn't know anybody. So I was like, this is a great costume because I can just like, I, it was real. So I yeah. had like a bag of wine around my waist and I was like pouring drinks That's so uh fun. i was i was miss frizzle mm -hmm. that was a good one that is a good one um and i was uh megan from bridesmaids so oh, i melissa mccarthy's character and i we wore like a, a tangle hat we did a group costume you and me when, oh yeah remember? we did yeah we and then meg the was like sort of, polar characters yeah I was um, you were the, the mom, mom from Mean Girls. Yeah, Meg was uh, Leslie Nope. She had the Pawnee Goddesses. Yeah, uniform, and I was Amy Puller from uh, Red Hot American Summer. 
Yeah, that was fun. And I wore this ridiculous blonde wig. Yeah. But you guys both had blonde hair, so. Yeah. I know. That was fun. I forgot about that. That Was that like two years ago? Because last year I was the golden snitch. Yeah. And we went and won that thing at Cholita. Oh, that's right. I do remember I won $50. You did? On a $50 gift card to Cholita. Did you use it? Because I got second. Yeah, I did. Oh, good. I, I went on a date with someone that I'm no longer dating, so that was unfortunate, but well, I did go. Well, you used a gift card. I know. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was, was fun. fun. Oh, I like Halloween. Do you have uh, – I know that Halloween has already happened when we were releasing this episode, but uh, do you have a Halloween costume this year? So I did, like, a Zoom Halloween party with my office, and I – just like looked for things around my apartment. So I mm-hmm. decided to be French. I just like wore a beret and drew a mustache on and classic neck that's scarf. It's a, a good one. I have a, I have like some wigs and like some, you know, like random costume clothes, but I'm not like doing anything. I'm probably just yeah. gonna, I don't know, buy a bag of Halloween candy and eat it by myself in my apartment. I'm just kidding but like you know it could happen never say never yeah we got um my dog Wally we got him a costume and it's a shark costume so we call him Wally shark uh like baby (laughs) shark you can sing the little song Wally shark Wally shark that's what we do and he's like really good about wearing his costume. I just put it on him and he like doesn't care. <laughs> he just walks around like a little shark. It's That's so cute. cute. Yeah. So please take a picture so we can I share will. it. And I'm yeah, really, yeah. it's really just for me to see too. I cool. actually, I have a lot of pictures of him in the costume <laughs> like already. So I'll definitely show you. Well, uh, what do you think? Should we introduce our guest for this episode? Yes, we oh. should. Oh, okay. She's showing me a picture of Wally and he looks like a shark, but he also looks like he's like an old timey pilot with know, this like headpiece. So <laughs> and it looks cute. like he's wearing like a scarf thing. <laughs> Very yeah, cute. Yeah, it's, yeah, we'll definitely post photos. Um, <laughs> yes, let's introduce our guest for this week. Oh my gosh, we were so lucky to get to talk to uh, Marae Jacone Duffy, who... I know from college, um, but she works for the Ohio Justice and Policy Center. Is that how you, you say I think it? so. Ohio o- OJPC. Policy Center. Yeah. Um, well, that was professional of us. <laughs> but, yeah, so yeah, we get to talk nice. to her about what she does with them, uh, which is they're doing a lot of good work right now in regards yeah. to the criminal justice system and mass incarceration and things happening uh, in the state of Ohio. And she is specifically like um, their communications Mm -hmm. professional. So she sort of sees what they do through a different lens. And it's really, was really interesting conversation. So uh, we hope you enjoy. And this is our episode that is releasing the day after election day. So yes. if you if you need a little pick me up or like a little celebration, depending on what happens, listen this works to this for episode. everything. <laughs> That's right. 
Hi, Marae. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks for yeah, being here. Yeah, we're so here. excited. Yes, we're so excited to, like, honestly, I'm so excited to delve into all of the very cool work that you are doing, and, like, I'm really pumped. But before we get to that, we have a question that we ask everyone, and uh, that question is, what did you want to be when you grew up? I think I always kind of, I've always wanted to be a writer of some sorts. When I was a little kid, I used to make make books. Like I would staple pieces of printer paper together and then like write scribbles of lines and I would, and I was making a book, I would read it to people. So I like was doing that very young. Um, I've always kind of written and I've had really interesting, cool jobs and I've been taking notes of like how, you know, the, the people I've met and the experiences I've got, you know, that I've had, um, both in my current job, which I really love and in my past life when I was working in news and, um, just, you know, doing that like during the 2016 election, for instance. So I've always, <laughs> I've like always been writing, um, never really like, yeah, that, that was what I wanted to be when I was a kid. <laughs> I think you're the first person who actually like is doing something related to what their childhood like dream job was. Yeah. Most, most people are like, oh, I wanted to be a snowboarder or whatever. And then I love the commitment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you can have so many like different interpretations of like what, you know, write, what kind of writing a person would want to do, where it could go, where it could, you know, like I could be, I put things on medium occasionally like that kind of like, sure. That's, you know, a big super caption on Instagram. That's writing. So like it could be <laughs> any, you know, like it's just like a hobby uh, or not a hobby, but um, it's, like a craft, like a thing that you just, you know, continue to practice. And um, I'm really lucky that I have that in my life, especially right now. It's very therapeutic in these chaotic times. Oh, I'm sure. I like wish that I was good at journaling. Uh, and I've tried, I feel like I've tried so many times to get into it and I just like can't stick with it. And I, I also end up just like lying to the journal. I'm like, here's what's going. Like I don't even, I don't even do it right. You're just like journal. Today is 75 degrees and sunny, and it's like December, like that kind of wine. No, just like <laughs> if um, is it you like make better decisions in your journal, or like yeah, are you, are you like cooler in your journal, or like I mean, there's in a my lot journal, of, like, I'm like things are going fine. <laughs> This is actually, this is my, the most successful. Oh my gosh. We should what, what age is that from? I this must is know. From 21. Fourth, this is from fourth grade. <laughs> I feel like this is like a plant, but it just happened to, it happened to be where I keep this. It has some velvet stickers. Yeah. Okay. I'm dying over the stickers. Yeah. Um, this is the most successful journal I've ever kept from the year of 2002. Um, and it's mostly just me saying like what movies I watched that day, but this is what, it, <laughs> this is what got, I, that's got some value to it. Like seriously, yeah. like, culture, like here's the culture I consumed in this day in fourth grade. Like that's something <laughs> of historical value. Way to go. I do really like having it cause it's fun to pull out every once in a while, but like, okay, so here's, 
what I mean when I say like, I'm not a good journaler. So June 5th, 2003, I just said, dear diary today, we had time trials at swim team. I did really well. Nothing else happened today. Good night, diary. (gasps) That's it. (laughs) So clearly something else definitely happened is what I'm gathering from that. That's it. Nothing else. Don't think I didn't do anything. (laughs) There's another one in here, and I'm not going to spend time like looking for it, but it just says like, sorry, was so busy today. We'll write tomorrow. <laughs> As if it's That's really well. sweet. Like you were <laughs> accountable to yourself and you like had to like let yourself know. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Also, I, okay, I, this is going to be like the last little thing that I wrote, but uh, the previous day I ended it by saying, I should be crying because my two worst enemies and only four of my friends and the new kid are in my class. Three lines of exclamation points. Oh, well, good night, diary. And then I drew a tiny devil. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. So. Yeah, I think you you can't say you're not good at journaling because you created that. <laughs> Oh well, yeah. I that's like it's... your graduation album. Like <laughs> masterpiece. I think it's for the best that we leave the writing to you. And I'm glad that that's <laughs> you went on to do things with that because clearly I wasn't going to. But t- can you tell us uh so like what you do now? Uh if you want to relate it to writing, feel free. But oh totally, how would you yeah. describe that? So I, um, I right now I'm the communications manager for a um, nonprofit law firm that's located in Cincinnati, and uh, well, we're actually so we're a statewide organization, um, all of Ohio, and we have now have an office in Columbus too. But like a lot of people now, we're just all in our home. So it's definitely been a like I think that's been a cool experience being like in a statewide. Like, you know, we, we were located in one city and I know a lot of other nonprofits are that way. Like ACLU of Ohio is in Cleveland and like, you know, like the, the isolation is weird, but it also kind of like has forced me to connect with like the whole total group of people that we interact with and, and serve. And so in any case, um, we're a nonprofit law firm um we represent or not we my co-workers I'm the person who so manages the website does stuff with like the press um random video and photo um assignments little cam making and designing pamphlets and handouts and all kinds of little random things put together that I've like um practice and my other like mostly journalism training but um yeah, so it's it's a really great job. Um, I work with some really amazing people. Um, a couple of my coworkers are returning citizens who um, were in prison. Both of them, um, yeah, they they were there, and um, we I, I get to work really closely sometimes with our clients who are um, either returning citizens or they're they're we have clients who are currently incarcerated. Um, maybe they've been over sentenced. Um, maybe they're a woman who was um, convicted of uh, killing her domestic abuser. Um, just a lot of um, just really crazy things that, you know, I started this job 
two and a half years ago. So, you know, three years ago, I wouldn't have, I would have had no idea like the scale of some of these like trends and things that have been piling on for decades. And, you know, like a lot of people, I'm really privileged that I was pretty like, you know, insulated from the criminal legal system um, growing up. And so, yeah, it's also forced me to take a really deep, hard look at that um, and, and kind of reckon with that too. So yeah, it's, it's a cool job. Um, so like right now, what I'm working on, we're, we're having a fundraiser that's going to now be all digital um, and virtual <laughs> instead of in-person and like, a, you know, selling tickets for an event with a speaker and appetizer. It's like, you know, a thing that people are going to log on to and watch on the computer. So trying to make that like fun and like actually interesting. And we have an amazing speaker, one of the, um, Yusuf Salam, who was one of the, um, exonerated five, which was formerly the central park five. Um, right. yeah, wow. he's going to be speaking and, um, he's great. I've been like texting him and stuff, trying to like, you know, get things together and organized. And, um, he's, he's a really incredible guy. Um, but yeah, so that's really fun. And then I'm also doing a few like video projects. We got some grant funding to do like ex an explainer video series that I'm like trying to finish up and um, web, uh, website development projects, also something that's um, been grant funded. And so that kind of like, that's that's my um, kind of where my, my work gets, I'm like stammering. I hope this isn't like, if we can cut through this, but, um, no. <laughs> something. We want the realness. We want okay. the realness. Okay. So, yeah. So anyway, it's, um, that was something that was new to me, I guess, is what I, I was getting stuck saying, um, you know, the, the world of like nonprofits and grants and like how all that's funded. That's something that, um, I'm sure a lot of people do learn about that, like in college, but I had no idea, um, about that either. And so that's been kind of like an interesting thing to get to see firsthand. So. Yeah, because, so your background's in journalism, right? Mm -hmm. Like, w was that your major? Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, journalism, political science. Okay. And so I was considering essentially going to law school, too. And so that was something that um, really drew me to this job. Like, I took the LSAT, got into a couple of local schools, was, like, the last week I could, like, still trying to decide whether or not I wanted to enroll and then I saw this job listing for what's now my job. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I can work with all lawyers, which like that's, I pretty much work with all lawyers. And, um, you know, it, what they do is great. I'm not cut out for it for sure. Like <laughs> I am not <laughs> the level of detailed orientedness, like, and um, yeah, I just, I'm like, I don't think I could do that. I, the a lot of reading. Yeah. <laughs> just like ramming up against the system and like not really like you can kind of be an advocate in some ways but you know it's a it's it's a very different world so I don't I don't think that that's for me <laughs> now that I get to see it up front. <laughs> do you find it like intimidating at all to work with attorneys or do you feel like they really like appreciate like your perspective and point of view oh, or what's that like? Totally totally intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> to drink some water. Totally intimidating. <laughs> a couple of them um, are Harvard Law School graduates. Ow. Former, yeah, like just really talented. Um, a guy who's, <clears throat> excuse me, 
close to my age. He just started um, with us like a year, a little over a year ago. He was um, clerking for Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor before he came to us. So like, <laughs> it's very like, okay, now he's like walking to meetings with like me. Like he used to <laughs> go like, you know, be hanging out with this incredible, brilliant person all day. And I'm just like, you know, out, like half brain dead, like in a, you know, elevator, like trying to figure out what I should put on Twitter. Like it's a very different <laughs> kind of, you know, so totally intimidating. Like they're, they're incredibly smart, but they are super kind. Um, I don't like, you know, no one ever would make anyone feel like, because we have, you know, paralegals and we have other support staff, people like me, um, and it's definitely not like a, you know, bravado thing or anything like that. I just personally like, but that's also to some extent, like, yeah, I'm one of the younger ones on staff too. And I'm not an attorney. So like, I'm just kind of probably suffering from a small amount of imposter syndrome just because of my, you know, age and, and gender. So I don't know if that's come up at all with your discussions of, you know, cool career women, but that's definitely something I've um, dealt with too. Is your, is it like mostly men in? Um, not, in, so not in nonprofits, I don't think. Okay. Um, no, it's, nonprofits are, I think, mostly female and a lot of white women. Yeah. Um, and so that, but in the legal system, like with maybe prosecutors and judges and things like that, totally, definitely mm -hmm. more men. Um, and lawmakers, you know, for that matter, legislators, like that's part of like the people yeah. that I'm thinking about as well. So, so yeah. And then, you know, law enforcement, yeah, just all different. Types. Right. A lot of men. Yeah. No, that makes sense. What, uh, you mentioned earlier, or maybe when this was before we were recording, um, that you did work in news for a little bit. I did. I was working, um, before I started my current job. I was at the ABC affiliate TV station in Cincinnati. Um, and Cincinnati, I grew up outside of Cincinnati too. So I'm not like just, you know, here on a long shot and like just <laughs> fell in love with the place. Like my, my, uh, my family all lives here too. And, and, you know, it's, a, it's home. So, um, so I was super lucky all that said to find a job um, in my hometown. I did not plan on working at a TV station. Like that was never, something I imagined myself doing, but I was like on, um, it was called the web desk when I was there. And it was like the people who did stuff on the website and like wrote a lot of the stories and like the text for stuff. And a couple of times in like a pinch, I went on TV, like in the studio and just like little fun, you know, like I did get to interact with that. And that was cool. Cause like it was the TV station I grew up watching before the school bus came, like when I was a kid. So it was like really fun in that way. And, um, and I made some really great friends, but yeah, that was what I was doing before. Um, like a lot of industries and a lot of, and local news in general, like, you know, as an intern at, at big, um, newspapers, like the Cincinnati Enquirer, um, here in town, I, um, you know, I saw a lot of people get laid off, lots of rounds of layoffs, newsrooms are like shrinking and, you're, you don't really have a lot of opportunity to earn like really much at all, especially if you're going to like, you know, try to go on maternity leave as a young woman or <laughs> anything like that. So, um, so I just kind of, I felt like it wasn't sustainable to like start to, you know, I just 
bought a house with my now husband and um, I was kind of like, yeah, I'd, I'd like a little bit more work-life balance, I think. And the secondhand trauma of it was kind of a lot too. Like I listened to the police scanners all day. Like that was kind of like pretty stressful. But that was part of the reason that um, I was really excited to do the job that I have now. Um, I kind of got to be like part of like the solution and like actively working towards trying to help maybe with some of these situations that I felt like were happening over and over again. And they were like really, you know, heartbreaking and sad to see. So, um, so yeah, but that was the news before this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Aurelia, were you going to say something? <laughs> Could you see me, like, I heard on video? You, I heard I was you, like, like take, uh, do, like, a breath <laughs> in. Like, <laughs> um, well, I was just going to ask, you know, sort of at the end when you were talking there, you were talking about, you know, things that were emotional or hard to see, like, through news. For your current job, like, are there any like projects or cases? And I know you have like a different relationship to the projects and cases. Are there any that have like really stuck with you or like shaped um, like experiences for you there? Oh, totally. Um, I, yes, <laughs> just some. So there are even, I've had to get, to get pretty, I mean, vulnerable and, and real here, but it's not like a secret to anybody at my, work or anything like that. Um, so I have five younger brothers. One of them has been um, kind of dancing around the, um, you know, line between activities that are legal and illegal for, you know, much of his teen years. And now he's in his 20s. And, um, you know, he has some other problems like with mental health. That's something that runs in our family. And he, um, so I, you know, I've gone to court with him before and like tried to help him like, you know, deal with like, you know, uh, probation and, and, you know, making sure he can pay things. And, um, and I guess I'm trying to be open about it because I know like from all these statistics, like 50% of Americans have a immediate family member who's been incarcerated in a jail or a prison at some point. So I know I'm not like, you know, by any means alone in this and, but but all that said, I've watched my brother have absolutely the most um, just wonderfully gracious and um, forgiving time with the criminal legal system. But he's a, um, you know, he's a white boy. He, um, he works, you know, at local businesses and he, you know, has friends and he you know, he just, he gets a lot of breaks, I guess. And then I watch situations with now men, but who maybe were my, the age of my brother, like 20 years ago when they ended up in prison for 25 years or something like that. And so it's very, um, you know, not that I've had any instances where it was like, you know, oh my gosh, the exact same thing happened. And like, here's my evidence of it. But just seeing, and it's also, you know, like I said, the passage of time, like some of the, a lot of these cases are people who have been in prison, but then I see like the, you know, circumstances of what got them there. Um, and we work with a lot of people who are returning home from prison or who have been home and they have criminal records and they're trying to like get jobs and things like that, despite the criminal records. So, um, so anyway, it is, I'm like looking at past cases, but they're with, you know, a lot of um, black and brown folks and 
Um, women actually are sentenced uh, a little bit harsher than men on average. And the women's prison population has like just completely boomed while men's has like kind of started to decline. So like it sort of looks like prison populations are um, are starting to just like even out a little bit, but really, but women are, that is an explosion. So all of that diversion to, um, <laughs> and going off on a tangent, I feel like, but um, obviously I'm very passionate about all this. My, um, anyway, just watching my brother and like experiencing all that um, and, and being able to see and, and truly feel like the difference and how he was treated and I would like, you know, not as like an end all be all or like a perfect solution for the, in the very least, I wish that, you know, young men who, um, you know, don't look like my brother who live like, you know, closer to the, you know, center of downtown and in more populated areas and poorer neighborhoods. Like I wish they could get the second and third and fourth and fifth chances <laughs> that my brother got. Like, because it is sometimes a matter of growing up and it is sometimes a matter of, um, you know, desperation or a, you know, bleak options. Um, so, and, and, or just bad luck, truly bad luck and being over policed. So. I just like, I'm listening to everything you say and I'm like, yes, yep, absolutely. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised. So like, this is, kind of, this is really cool because as a, like, as, so as a communications person, I've definitely taken like a more of a backseat role in like my job. Like I orchestrate like the, you know, interview between my coworker and like a news person. So I think you guys are kind of getting the end result of like, you know, not um, having an in-depth conversation, like in any kind of public way <laughs> about this place that I've been like hanging out at for two and a half years. And I'm like, yeah, these are all my thoughts. And especially now with like lockdown, like I'm home, you know, with my thoughts feeling like I'm constantly at work because, you know, we're working from home and you don't, you don't leave. And <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's, it's part of me now all day long, 24 <laughs> seven. So yeah, I think you're getting that spilled out a little bit. Well, that's, we're happy. We're happy to take all the spillage. Okay, great. <laughs> we will take it. What, okay, so you're working from home. How yeah. has like COVID, I guess, impacted the work that you guys are doing? Because I know that, I mean, it's just hitting prisons. Like, or, yeah. yeah. It's, um, I, so I truly had the most, like the deepest sense of dread when we first like things started shutting down like we got sent home and then like the governor started to close things in Ohio um the middle of March and then like I started looking at kind of like how this was going in other countries and like realizing like that you know the president was still like pretending that, like this wasn't going to happen and I just kind of was like, oh my God, this is going to be really, really bad. Like on a lot of levels, but I was definitely thinking that with the prisons, like our clients, um, so pre-COVID, before anybody even, like this was even a thing, um, we had tons of clients who had things like super preventable and like treatable things like hepatitis or, um, you know, like they get an infection, like a staph infection or something, or, um, 
hemorrhoids or whatever, like these things that can, can be treated and helped and, you know, they're just left to fester and they're exacerbated and it's, and it's terrible. So that, that project's called Human Rights in Prison, fittingly. Um, but anyway, I was like, oh my gosh, this, that's how, you know, that's the state of some of the prisons, like pre-COVID, like <laughs> with the pandemic on top of that. And it's not like, like I said, the prison population is kind of like leveling out, but it's still high. Like it's not like, you know, and, and jails, jails are really bad. So jails, one thing that like, now I feel like I have to like always, not like have to, but I like to tell people just cause like, it's, it's like a thing that I probably didn't really think about until I had this job, but a jail is where people go when they're arrested. Um, and when it's city or, um, county in a lot of cases, so that's a jail. And then a prison is like, after you've been sentenced and you're going to be there for a super long time. So there's a lot of people here in Cincinnati. And then I know in Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, at least, um, you know, people are, um, serving out shorter sentences in jails. And so they're staying there. And then like a, a county, <laughs> a little bit North of Hamilton County, Butler County, they're like a ICE detention facility too. Um, like they hold ICE detainees. Um, so yeah, they're not a detention facility, but they, they hold detainees for ICE and then ICE, I guess, gets them or they, you know, hand them off to them or something like that. They do that to make money in their county. So it's, um, so like jails are like, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be really bad. And um, that was one of the reasons that we really quickly were, um, comfortable like suggesting that police um basically stop citing people um or arresting people for like petty things and things that really like weren't helping public safety to like have this person have to go to a jail and you know trying to keep that population low um and then at the same time we also really quickly started talking or not we my um our executive director started talking to the um, person in charge of all of Ohio's prisons and asking her kind of like what their protocols were, what it sounded like they were going to try to do. Um, there were some folks who were released um, early, like they were closer to their, um, their yeah, sentence ending and they got out a little bit early, things like that. There, there really was an effort to um, kind of try to decrease the population and testing has actually been kicking like they've been kicking ass with testing in the prisons um, to really bleak like um, results. Like, you know, some of like, I think at one point there was some, I don't remember if it was a jail or a prison. It was like a hundred percent had like infection rate. It was like unbelievable, but that's where you get really interesting statistics. Like not obviously not at all to say like, this is like, Oh, here's, you know, here's how it's worth it or anything like that. But, you see like like you can see things like you know at one point they were seeing like 80 percent of the people who are testing positive or asymptomatic like in the prison and so we just don't have the same model or situation out here in you know the wild like i got tested on um wednesday of last week after somebody i'd seen really briefly um tested positive and so i um and i had a mask on but i was like you know whatever i should get tested I still don't have my results. So like, you know, that's, that's been a week, <laughs> but they've been testing like a lot in some of the prisons and jails. Um, there have been some really awful, like 
the federal prison in Elkton, Ohio, like they had a lot of people dying and it was it just really terrible. And, you know, I admittedly had to kind of take a break a couple of times and be like, I can't think about this anymore. Like it's too, you know, just, just unfair. Cause then it, when I, you know, it goes back to that, like, not that this, it's a guilty thing, but like, I mean, like thinking, like I said, I, I know that, you know, myself and my loved ones who, you know, they have this privilege where they aren't in a prison right now and they, and they could be. So if things were just a little different. So it's, it's a, it's a hard time <laughs> for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I can't imagine. Cause I feel like, I mean, every, everyone's talking a lot about like the importance of self care right now, which definitely yes. is important for everyone. But I think about these jobs that are made so much more difficult because of the pandemic. Yeah. And so that's, I, I'm not even close to like, you know, the worst of some of the, I, I even think like doctors and, and people like we had a, um, a family friend who died, not of COVID or anything, but, um, finding out how crazy things are at the funeral homes. Like they are like backed up, like nobody's business. So just everybody's kind of like, I think feeling the results of just all these drastic changes. And it's kind of like, no matter what it is, if you look at it deep enough, it's the result of a lot of people dying, like, and a lot of people being sick. And that's just like so hard. Like that's just hard to live with. <laughs> so yeah, it's, Self-care is, you know, I think hopefully saving people's lives. I know it does for me when I can do things that make me happy. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think, (laughs) I think self-care is important for everybody right now. I think, but especially when you're dealing with these really heavy, intense things, like you have to find that balance for yourself, you know, to, so, you know, I, I, I don't know if I talked to you about this, Katie, but, you know, you can't, like, pour from an empty cup, mm-hmm. right? That's my philosophy. So, yeah, you've got to gotta fill up that cup, girl. <laughs> uh, Marie, I was wondering, so, like, obviously it's not just uh, COVID that's been really big this year. We have a lot of people who are finally, like, speaking out against police brutality. Yes. Sometimes like realizing that police brutality exists and that white privilege exists for the first time ever and having these conversations. So I was just kind of wondering, like, obviously, maybe not in the short term, but like in the long term, is your office like feeling maybe optimistic at all about changes to the prison system in this country with more people kind of catching on that like these are real issues? Oh, definitely. Like, and even in the short term, like we have people who reach out to us and are like, can I volunteer? Like, can I, which like, we have a huge volunteer base, but it'll be people who are like, you know, I was an administrative assistant for a really long time and now I'm, um, you know, retired. Like, can I, you know, work with you guys and just help you? Can I get your mail for you? Like there's people who do really awesome things for us, um, help with newsletters and, so um, we've, I think we've seen an increase in that um, kind of response from people, um, even donations too, like people who are like trying to put their money, you know, where their mouth is to some extent. And that's, that's a good, like, if that's, 
something you can do and, and where you are and how you feel like, you know, you can and should support like the pop, like racial justice and social justice and criminal, you know, trying to put justice into the criminal justice system. Um, you know, that's, that's great. Um, but I really love seeing the number of people, yeah, who are like having the hard conversations, um, not, you know, I don't want to say confronting people, but, you know, that's almost what it feels like sometimes. Like some of us have had like, you know, an entire lifetime for some of us who are like in, you know, our twenties, like, um, whether it's family members or, or just situations or like the culture of a town. Like I, you know, like live in a little, um, suburb, my town's 98% white. So it's like, I think things are definitely changing. Um, I think it feels pretty permanent. I think the thing at least that I can see and feel is that more white people are taking ownership over the problem of white supremacy, which is like only fair <laughs> at all. So like, that's definitely, um, I think something that needed to happen a long time ago and maybe has to some extent um, at some times, but yeah, it's definitely having either a resurgence or whatever. And I just really hope that the flame doesn't go out and also that white people can get like, remember we're not the center of this too. Like, like white supremacy is our problem, but racial justice is not something for us to like solve or anything like that. Like that's not, <laughs> we don't, you know, need to broker the deal or anything. Um, yeah, we don't need more white saviors. I've seen, <laughs> yes. I, I remember, I was like at a one protest. I was actually there kind of for work. And um, somebody that works with us, like on a contract basis to do police um, reform work. She's incredible. She's been um, doing social justice stuff and police reform stuff specifically in Cincinnati for like several decades, like since she was like a teenager and she's a grandma now and she's she's awesome and there was this like this guy who this white guy in the back of this crowd who was like yelling at her like what are you gonna why aren't you out here in the streets with us like trying to like say that she wasn't like giving enough to this cause and i that was that was probably that was like my awakening <laughs> in some ways like to like the next like place where I need to be like working really hard to try to like not you know again not centering anything on me or or whiteness as it were but like trying to like you know maybe like I I did that guy I took him aside and was like you like I don't know if you know who this person is like gave us you know brief explanation was like you know I think you should you know maybe think before you're you know yelling at a black woman that she is not you know, doing enough um, for racial justice. I'm so glad that you said something to him because I feel like often people see things like this happening and they don't say anything or they just like talk about it on social media. But like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, and that's a result. You can, it's a result of like seeing every, you know, like it becoming such a huge discussion right now too. Like it, I. If this had happened a couple of years ago, first of all, I probably would have been way more surprised. Like with social media, I feel like I see, and I, I'm not a person who deletes people like that are pissing me off. At least not, not usually. There's a couple of news like, them. Yeah, I, I do that. <laughs> well, also, <laughs> I, 
But Go I ahead. see their comments and they're just like, and then also people like that I like know and care about who maybe grew up here as well. Like I did in this little, you know, tiny white rural town and um, kind of seeing like the dynamics that play out in, you know, discussion that are always, you know, in bad faith. But um, so anyway, I, it took a lot of seeing those and, and being shocked a couple dozen times. And then now I'm like, okay, like nothing, I don't think anything, <laughs> there's not too many things that like a kind of racist white person could say that would probably be super surprising to me at this point, which, and that's, that's a result of working in news too. Like we got like I was on, that was another big part of our job, social media. Like we were on the news stations, social media set, like accounts all day long. So we got the crazy messages that were like. Those are the worst com like social media yes. comment sections. I can't. Like they're, I just they're can't. They're awful. Them. It's infuriating. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's crazy. It's, um, you know, it'll be the middle of the day and it's just like, you know, war breaks out like on social media so it's yeah there's it's those really toxic like yeah. yeah yeah and that was I think like another I wonder if this is going to be like a millennial thing or if this is just like a, I'm a masochist thing like I don't really know but I kind of feel like with social media being like playing the role that it does now in literally like every part of our lives in every industry and like you know whatever um and then a lot of millennials kind of getting stuck with that role <laughs> in whatever, you know, wherever they are, um, you know, whether it's for a brand or to promote themselves or to, you know, be the person at their company or organization that does that job. Um, that's also like kind of a thing that, you know, I, I'd be curious to know if other people feel like they need to take breaks from that. Cause like, that's been a big part of all of every job I've ever had. Um, and I've been on social media since I was like 12, probably, like when I got on like MySpace. So um, to listen to Taylor Swift and mess. I um, actually had a message with Taylor Swift on MySpace, just as an aside. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. Like I feel what? like we're friends at this point. So I just like want to share that about me. Like I'm not like totally just like a stiff that like is solely focused on like racial justice. Like, yeah, I got, I messaged Taylor Swift um, when I was, <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, I went to a Rascal Flatts concert with my friends and um, she was one of the opening acts and we loved her so much. So we got home and got on MySpace and found her MySpace page, messaged her from my account. And we were like, hi Taylor, um, yeah, hi Taylor. Um, we saw you tonight in Dayton, Ohio, and you were so great. And we just want to let you know. And we've listened to all your songs like 20 times now. So, and she messaged back like, you guys are so nice. Thanks for coming to the show. Too bad I don't know my MySpace password. And like, I could never <laughs> walk back on to it. I know. That's devastating. Oh, my, oh God. my God. What a fun I swear it happened. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, we believe it. We believe it. We, we do. do. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that happened. That's another um, part of my professional life, I guess. That was an early, you know, already awesome power. <laughs> so I did want to ask, um, Katie and I looked at uh, the website for the Ohio Justice and oh Policy God. Center. Yeah, that I mean. <laughs> and we did see a couple of like projects that we wanted to ask you about. 
Oh, for sure. Okay, um, honestly, I not because of you guys at all, but it must be like just I don't know what I thought you were gonna say. I found a couple of typos I wanted to let you know about. Like, <laughs> oh my god, no, right? No. no, I know. But like when I said I need to, like that's uh, that's that's my job at the news station too. Like that was I got I answered the phone and people would call and tell us there was a typo and something. Like oh, oh no, those people need or like lives. A, or like kidding? a messed up like Chiron on the TV, and I'm like, okay, thanks. Like. Okay, I'm so sorry, but please ask me about any project. I would love to tell you about all of them. So we saw the women's project and uh, Justice for Tyra Patterson. We were interested yes. in, in those. Okay, so the women's project is, um, it, so I kind of alluded to it a couple times when I mentioned the um, incarcerated survivors of domestic violence, basically, was what I was talking about. Um, so there's a group of clients they worked with one um, attorney, and she actually recently left for a new job in Portland, Oregon. Like, you know, go somewhere cool, so I don't blame her. But, um, but she had this group of clients who were women who were going, basically, she was helping them get ready to go before the parole board um, when they were able to do that to argue the case that they would, you know, not be a danger to anyone. Uh, or themselves if they were released because, you know, what they were accused of doing was something that was done, you know, in desperation when they were being abused and their life was being immediately threatened, the lives of their children and things like that. So um, that's part of the Women's Project. Another part is um, the Survivors of Human Trafficking um, little section. Um, my boss, my direct boss, she has been working directly with people who um, have survived trafficking and helping them basically to get like the fresh start um, that they need to be able to like move past that part of their life. Because um, pe people who leave trafficking, they might have like a humongous criminal record for things like prostitution or things like um, you know, theft, and, and those are sometimes things just that a trafficker is going to be like, you're going to go, you know, this convenience store, and you're going to grab, you know, this, and, and whatever. Um, in any case, they, they could end up with a, a lot of charges, and that can make it really hard to get a job or to find housing later, and um, after working with these clients for a while, um, and this is before I was at OJPC, but they were able to work with um, legislators to get some bills passed that allowed for survivors of trafficking to um, be able to get their records expunged, which like in a lot easier than um, just the average person who at most could probably only get their records sealed. Um, so that was like, I mean, that's pretty cool that they were able to look at that um, through that gendered lens, I guess, and kind of see, because like I said, you know, women's prison population skyrocketing. And um, part of the reason is because poverty is criminalized and women, you know, are women on average do not have the wealth men have like globally, um, but definitely in the US. And um, also responses to trauma are criminalized and um, that manifest in a lot of different ways, but a lot of times it's like addiction or, um, you know, being 
maybe homeless or an unsafe situation or something where you then are going to come in contact with police. So, um, so yeah, there's, that's the women's project basically. So then, um, Tyra Patterson, she's actually one of my really great friends now. Um, so Tyra was, Tyra started working at OJPC when I started working at OJPC, like a couple of weeks before. So I was like one of the, I was the first person on staff to meet Tyra for the first time as Tyra, the coworker. And I'm in awe of like her journey and story, but like I am even more like just inspired and heartened by everything that she's doing now and like how much she's grown in the last um, couple of years. So this winter, right, it would be three years um, since she was released from prison this Christmas. Um, so Tyra was convicted of um, a crime she didn't commit. She was 18 and she couldn't read or write. She's illiterate. Um, a girl was shot in a robbery gone wrong and it was in an alleyway behind the apartment that she lived in at the time. And um, she, um, long story short, she called the police the police um, at the request of the girl's sister. And the next day police questioned her and her friend um, who was white, Tyra is biracial. And um, they're both questioned about what they knew and the other friend got to leave, but they kept telling Tyra, are you sure? Like, you know, people said that you were there and are you, and after, an ungodly number of hours. Um, she gave a false confession, which like there's tons of statistics now with DNA to show like what a common thing false confessions are. And like I mentioned the um, exonerated five who are formerly the Central Park Five. Yeah, they, they um, some of them gave false confessions. So she then went to prison. She, she went to trial. Um, she had some problems with her different attorneys. I think one suffered like a, a really sudden loss in his family. Like at the time that she was going to trial, she just had, had some difficulties, but also she, like I said, she couldn't read or write. So she really wasn't able to help herself in some ways or to even know like what was relevant and like a lot of people would. And, and, and also she, because she had nothing to do with it. She genuinely thought like, I'll just go to trial and they'll know that I didn't do this. And like, it'll be obvious that I'm yeah, you just trust the justice system yeah. of innocent until proven guilty. And yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So she, um, yeah. And, and that was how that worked out for her was that she was in prison for 23 years. Um, oh my God. yeah. So she, um, she was released on Christmas day of 2017. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then I met her in like February. She, um, she actually was one of my bridesmaids when I got married uh, about a year and a half ago. And she just like, she is just so fun, has like the best spirit. She's like so kind. She's like a Snow White with like any animal like ever in the whole world. Um, she has this big like huge jeep now and she like always like tells me if I want to go like mudding I can borrow it like she's just like she's like a hoot and I just it's it's impossible to like describe her accurately like I would be happy to put you guys in contact with her at some point if you want but she 
yeah, so she's the only innocence case that OJPC ever took, basically. We had a board member who knew about her and really wanted our executive director to look into her case. And, um, and he did, and then he was able to help her and get her, she was released, um, technically on parole. She wasn't like exonerated or anything. And she's been um, advocating for uh, clemency, if I think that's the correct term. There's a lot of different, like a pardon, or no, I think it might be a pardon. I don't remember. I think it's a pardon. I think that's on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Because because they didn't really overturn her conviction, right? Right. Yeah. And so that, so she also has to live with some of the, um, you know, the things that people who are released from prison, like different restrictions on, like, I think she's, she still has to check in with a PO. Um, and like, if she's going out of state and stuff, she has to get her trips approved. And so it's, it makes it hard. And like, she's skyrocketing. I tell her all the time, she's better at technology than my mom is. Like she totally missed, like she went into prison in 1995, I think she, um, like missed, you know, email, uh, smartphones, like texting, all of that. And yeah, she's a different amazing world. Now. Yeah. She does her own social media now. Like she's crazy. She's great at all of it. Um, but yeah, so, so, um, yeah, she's just incredible. She's, she's a really incredible person. Well, I hope that everyone's like feeling as inspired as I am by time. And just like the work that you guys are doing, it's, I mean, it's so important and so needed. And I know you mentioned earlier that people volunteer, but are there, like, if, if people want to get involved, where should they go and like what can they do oh my gosh they should definitely go to ohiojpc.org slash volunteers or volunteer i'm gonna type it out guys and double check do most states have uh, a center like this would you say i don't know um i actually so it's interesting. Okay, so it's, by the way, it's ohiojpc.org slash volunteers with an S at the end. Uh, yeah, there's, there's other, so like, there's all different kinds of projects that do different things, even like in Ohio. So like, there's other organizations like us, but they focus more on like policy, like that's all they do. They don't do like the direct client stuff. And then there's like legal aid does only direct client stuff. And then like, you know, there's, there's groups that do just, you know, things with human trafficking, people who have survived trafficking. And then it's hard to say, I, I don't know, um, if we really have like peer, um, organizations in, I don't think at least nearby states, because one of our like long-term goals is to open an office in Kentucky too, which, um, is just over the river from Cincinnati. So it's, it's nearby, but, um, yeah, I think we, love to expand as, as an organization like us. But yeah, there's a lot of other, I think I would say maybe small organizations. We, we only have, I think, 16 staff members. And like I said, we have two offices and two different points in the state. Um, but yeah, that's a good question. I should, I should look into that. Just because, you know, I think uh, people outside of Ohio listening to this might want to try to get involved in their local community, that kind of thing. Um, 
So I would. Well, I guess now that things are. I guess now that lots of stuff is virtual, people could probably, uh, you know, volunteer in oh, for yeah. any state, right? Yeah, for we have volunteers all over the country, um, like we really do, and so that some of them have a connection to Ohio in one way or another, but um, that's definitely not a requirement. So we we would absolutely take volunteers from anywhere, but. Um, I think every state has like an ACLU chapter. ACLU is amazing. We work closely with them. They do almost all of the same stuff that we do um, to some extent. And um, also Innocence Projects are located at law schools in, in different states and, and they're really cool. Um, we get confused with Innocence Project or we used to more like when Tyra was a really big like case of focus for us. And then so I started and I was like, okay, let's like scale back on Tyra because people think we're the Innocence Project and like that's not, we don't actually do that. Um, but another thing would be on like a super local level, some counties, especially larger counties have Office of Reentries or Offices of Reentry, sorry. Um, and that would be, those would be folks that would help people returning from prison to like find housing or to like, you know, get set up going to college or, um, you know, to get food stamps, like all, all different kinds of things. So that can be really cool too. I would definitely cool. say look to the local level if, if, you know, someone's interested, just, just start Googling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I feel like I learned a ton. I'm so I really glad. do. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. What, what a great organization. Thanks. It's really awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Like I, I think I said before, I've, I'm so honored that Katie asked me to be on this. Like I was like, oh my God, sure. <laughs> well, I'm Aww. like thrilled that I know someone who's working in this field because like I'm so interested in it and I'm glad we could like steal you to come on the show for a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit before we uh, say goodbye, Katie and Marae know each other from Butler. So yes. I thought it would be fun to make a little quiz of Butler trivia. I did not go to Butler. I just Googled all of these things. So hopefully the internet didn't lie to me. We probably um, won't know either way. Okay. So Great. I will keep score. Great. The winner doesn't get anything though. Just two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. That's right. <laughs> That's what we gave to the last time we did a, yeah. a trivia battle. Yeah. Okay. So. Butler's mascot is the bulldog. Yeah. How many oh, true. other? Yeah, I know. I was no, like, bulldog. <laughs> How many other colleges use a bulldog as their mascot? Oh. Oh, um, oh yeah. I'm thinking of two immediately: Georgetown and um, Georgia. Yale too is also okay. So so that's three. I know that because my FYS professor told us that Butler is the Yale of the Midwest because our colors are the same and oh we're both God. bulldogs. And I was like, I think you're wrong. That's like something that somebody would say on like Parks and Recreation. Like that's a very like stereotypical. Yes. Like, oh my God. Okay. My okay. Guess is, uh is. 82. Okay, and yours is three? Yeah, mine, I'm going to stick okay. with three. Well, you're both wrong, but <laughs> Katie, Katie wins because she's closer. 
Actually, okay. I'm not sure. This might just be a wash because you're really far five. off still. It's <laughs> 3,026. Yeah, no, okay. we don't we don't get I know, like I need to like, Isn't that crazy? Well, but like there's so crazy. many colleges and I feel like there like, are not no that many different mascots. Too. Yeah. Um I don't know. My school, our mascot was a screaming eagle, and I have never encountered any other screaming eagles. Wow. Ghost eagles. I know. Okay. Anyways. Well, okay. Question number two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Butler's current campus used to be something else. What was it? Um, like the grounds were used for something else before it was Butler. Okay. This is I really think, interesting, by the way. I know this isn't the answer. I think I just need to show that, like, I'm not totally dumb after guessing three when the answer was 3,000. <laughs> um, I don't think this is actually the answer, but, like, I knew – okay, so – the library at Butler was designed to look like the ha the mansion that the Grand Dragon of Indiana's KKK lived in. <gasps> what? No, that's not like like Butler's canceled. Has to have something to do with that. Has to have something. No, I don't know. It doesn't. Okay, I was gonna guess like a commune. Was it a seminary or a theological college? That's no. a good guess though, because of that. It is a good guess, but wrong. Um, do you want me to just tell you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. An amusement park. <laughs> the land was home what? to an amusement park entitled, entitled Fairview Park, originally developed as a turn-of-the-century trolley park. Fairview Park's additional attractions included a carousel, bowling alley, and motion picture screenings. Oh, my God. Wow. I feel like it's blowing your mind right now. Yeah, yeah. I know. I had no um, idea. Yeah, well, and I also learned that Butler, like, moved. Like, they had a different yeah. location first, and then they moved to where they are now. I knew that. But... Yeah. Okay. I've never heard that of, at all. That's crazy. Like, so speaking. <laughs> I know. Okay, so it's, we're at zero, zero, and we're in yep. on question three. Great. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> the architect that designed the Irwin Library designed what other famous U.S. building? The KKK Mansion. I know. <laughs> um, oh, no. Oh, it's not in Indiana. I know this. Oh, my gosh. My mom is so mad at me right now. Because I think she knows. No. But I think she knows this, like, fun fact. Oh. I feel like it's something that, like, there's a, like, like, it's, it's, there's some sort it's of. It's a well-known thing. I mean, it's a well-known building. I have no idea, guys. It's so The Rockefeller building. Um, no, but close. It is in New York City. Any other guesses with that extra clue? The Empire, the Empire State, State Building? <laughs> no. The World Trade Center. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, um, Linda. And, and bonus, as, a, as a bonus question, do you know the name of the architect? I'm going to guess not. No. <laughs> Minoru Yamasaki. Yep. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, this one is easier because it's a true false. So maybe we'll get a point on the board for something. Okay. Okay. True or false? Author Kurt Kurt Vonnegut is a graduate of Butler. I'm gonna I'm gonna say false because if he was a graduate of Butler, like why wouldn't they have named that little creative writing house after? Well, because that would be the person who donated money, I guess. I don't know. I'm still gonna say false. Yeah, I feel like my guess is that maybe he like went to Butler, but he didn't graduate. I know that's kind of what I was thinking too. No, like he did graduate. <gasps> he did? You're both wrong. That, that's what the internet told me. Well, I don't know. I just said he went to Butler. Let's see. Let's let's double check. Maybe Butler will hear this and they'll stop asking me to donate money to them because they're going to be like, we don't want to claim her. thing about Butler. I know. Are they going to like take back our diplomas? <laughs> You're like, we're not sure you actually went right. there. Oh, it says he went to Cornell and dropped out. I don't know. Maybe I made that up. Maybe he didn't go to Butler. Oh, well. <laughs> I, I, Googled famous, I Googled famous Butler graduate, graduates, and he was on the list. And then it was just like a bunch of basketball players that I didn't know. Oh, see, I, we, I, I um, those, but. <laughs> okay, two more questions. Zero, zero. All right. How many majors does Butler have? A hundred and twelve. I'm going to say 113. No. That's, that's 61. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good game. Katie, I think you got that one. Or I think I what about so. when you make, you like make, I guess that's true. Um, Okay, this is the last question. What percent of classes have 20 students or less? Like actual, like you're going to class and graduating. Okay, let me think. 60%. I was was thinking something over 50 because like I was trying to think of my own classes and I think that's more than that. I think that's like something that they brag about too. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, can I guess sixty two? No, I'll do fifty five percent. I'll do fifty percent. It's fifty percent. So wow, good job. You're closer. Thanks. Yeah, that's yeah. It's like half a point. I think technically it was like forty nine point six or something, but I was like, that's stupid. We'll that's it pretty up. good. Good job, yeah. Butler. Yeah. Well, that's and- it. Bad job, us. We didn't know anything. Going to school there. Good thing you already graduated. I can't take it away from you. (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, this was so interesting and uh, very cool that um, we were able to connect with you. Um, Before we go, um, I know you mentioned you guys have a fundraising event. Um, is there anything else that you want to promote or direct um, our listeners to, like to learn more about uh, your your uh, the OJPC? Yes. So, um, if you guys are tweeters, please follow us at OhioJPC. 
and um, the information for the event is there. It's also um, on the homepage, I think, of our website, and we, our website is ohiojpc.org, um, and yeah, at the top bar, it says Ohio, or I'm sorry, it says OJPC's 2020 fundraising event, so if, if listening to Yusuf Salam speak sounds interesting to you, um, please consider joining us. I think it'll be really cool. Um, we've hired a production company, so it won't be just like a Zoom conference. Like it'll be a produced, like cool, fun thing. I keep picturing it like the Obama's graduation um, thing that they did on television, but um, that's just my wishful thinking, I think. So, um, but we also, like I mentioned, we have volunteers who have all different kinds of skill sets and we are happy to get you know, any help um, we can, and um, and then obviously donations too, if that's more your speed. So, yes, thank you, and thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about OJPC and just work and the world and everything. It's awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. It was good to catch up and talk to you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bye ladies. to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. So we hope you'll subscribe and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And follow us at GJW Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.